What's up, everybody? Welcome to the X Button Podcast. Today is November the 18th, and today we have a special episode. We are kind of going over a little bit of a little bit, a lot of bit, a little, little bit. You get what I mean? How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's having a great week. It seems like this week is going by in slow motion, except for when I'm outside of work. It goes in fast motion. It goes fast forward all the way to bedtime, wake up the next day, go work, slow motion, get off work, fast motion. <sighs> That's life, though. It is what it is. You know, we're going to keep moving from there. That's all it is. We're just going to keep getting closer to Game Awards. We're going to get closer to New Year's. We're going to get closer to Elden Ring. We're going to get closer to fucking Halo's campaign to be dropped. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot to look forward to. Um, so it's not all bad that time is moving fast, but let's just let's just try to enjoy it while we're here. So let's sit back for 30 to 40 minutes of some gaming content, and uh, let's just see what we got today. Today we are going over... Ba- uh, I was about to say Babylon. Wow. Babylon's Fall beta impressions. I got to play that over the week. Um, it's I got I got some stuff to talk about with that. Um, I need to mention that I am a TikTok uh, poppy, you know? I'm a TikTok poppy. Uh, it's at the X Button Podcast. I post a bunch of video game stuff on there. Uh, Mystic.Maddox on Instagram. Maddox Mystic on Twitter. I'm shouting all this stuff out because... If you probably you probably met me there, I don't know. You probably have run into me on there. You probably have run into me on Call of Duty, where my name is the X Button Podcast, and said, "Who the fuck killed me?" or "Who's on my team right now?" Oh, it's the X Button Podcast. What is that? Is that a real podcast? Let me go check that out. Uh, it somehow works <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I'm sure a lot of uh, people find this podcast and they get mad because they're like, "Why the fuck you kill me? Why the fuck you you teabag me in Halo? Why the fuck you why why you do all this stuff?" But no matter how you found this podcast, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys so much for checking it out. My name is Jordan. love video games. I talk about them all the time. And I'm here to talk about video games even more. Um, but yeah, th- those are my social media accounts. I kind of wanted to give them a shout out at the beginning. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about a... Or not talking about, rather. But having a Forza Horizon 5 review with my brother Jay. That's going to be happening probably over the next week. Maybe be posted next week, possibly even Friday. I'm not sure, but, um, I kind of wanted him to experience some more of the game before we get to that. So that would be something. I was also considering reviewing Halo 5's multiplayer, but I don't think, don't think we're there just yet. It's, it's a beta. So it's kind of hard to like review, you know, I don't really feel comfortable going like, I recommend you downloading it when it's free to play. First of all, my overall consensus is that it's, it's great, but I, I just think it's, it's it's in beta form, quote unquote, is what they call it. So it's like, eh, is it fair that this game might be totally different? Which another thing we're talking about today is how it's being changed before launch. So we'll get to that in a second as well. Uh, we'll start off with what I've been playing. Uh, Babylon's Fall beta. I've been playing Forza. I've been playing Halo, a bunch of Halo and a bunch of Forza. Actually, I keep I can't get off of Forza. GTA Trilogy. I talked about that on the last episode. If you wanted to check out a review. I'm not going to tell you what I gave it. Go check out that episode if you want to peep that. But, uh, yeah, uh, be cautioned if you do want to buy it. I'll leave it at that. Um, and then that's really about all I've been playing. Uh, what have I been watching? I started watching Arcane, the League of Legends series that's on Netflix. I've never really even played League of Legends. Uh, but the first episode is actually really good. It's really uh, very well voice acted. It's got great 
art, like graphics, art, whatever. Um, and the story is actually interesting so far. Uh, I will say there is somewhat of a disconnect with me as a new person to the series. I don't know a lot of the names and I don't know a lot of what's, you know, what the factions are talking about, what they're, what they need to do in the story. Like it's, it seems like everything they're mentioning is things that are existing in the world that are not really explained as a new person. Uh, however, I think, and I'm assuming that it's going to clear it up as I go along. It'll be more clear what they're doing. Um, I watched the first episode and, and so far I, love, I, I really, really like it. So we will see how that goes. I will definitely come back and give you guys an update on that. And we might even do a review on Arcane. Who knows? Maybe when the full series is released, we'll do a review much like the Ted Lasso season two review that we're going to be doing soon as well. Uh, so look out for that. If you are interested in Ted Lasso, it's a great show. If you haven't watched it, go watch season one and then go check out the season one review we have on the podcast. Uh, we also, by the way, um, if you're new to that series and you're watching episode by episode, we separate our reviews on this podcast episode by episode. We do the full review in one episode of our podcast, um, but we'll go single, you know, one episode to two episodes to three episodes, trying to not spoil the next and basically cover each of our impressions of each one and then kind of giving an overall consensus of what that season was like um, in our own opinion. So look out for that. Season two will be coming soon. I know um, it wrapped up quite a while ago, I think like a month ago. Um, it's just been scheduling issues with my brother, but my other brother. But whenever he like gets free, we will definitely get on that. Uh, also, if you're if you celebrate it, Thanksgiving's coming up soon. So that's just a side note. I'm ready to eat. Thanksgiving is always fun. My dad knows how to throw it down. He's part Filipino. So <sighs> It's a it's a different vibe on Thanksgiving. It's a different world out here. Um, anyways, let me let me carry on from there. We'll just get right into the show. Uh, that's kind of like the the housekeeping intro that I kind of wanted to get to today. Uh, let's start talking about mainly the battle pass controversy with Halo. So if you didn't know, Halo comes with a battle pass of some sort. It is a the things in the battle pass are good. The free items are okay. Like it seems like if you don't buy the battle pass, it might not even be worth worrying about this stuff. Um, so this may be a non-issue for you. However, this is a big issue for people who care like me, or I'm actually trying to actively get further into the battle pass. And it seems like it is designed to slow you down drastically. So what I want to do <clears throat> is kind of talk about how uh, it's set up from the get-go and it seems like it seems like a lot of people are not vibing with it that's the biggest thing um, and I agree it is is 100% not really fully thought out and ultimately is designed to keep you I don't even know if it's designed to keep you like from leveling it up fast I think it's mainly designed to where you have to do stuff they, they make the progression solely to these challenges that are listed on this board and basically it'll say like get a uh, get 15 kills with a battle rifle that's one of them <clears throat> so you have to go through and work on that uh, if you're paying attention to that also it's kind of buried behind the battle pass so you have to like <clears throat> you have to go to the battle pass menu and then page over to it and it, it, even then there's not really a way to like actively track it in your game i don't think that's what they're going to address but that is one of the issues i'm having with it however 
Uh, simply because like, all right, you have a list of challenges and it's like, okay, get X amount of kills for this, X amount of kills with that, win a, a Slayer match, uh, destroy a chopper gunner thing, you know, uh, destroy a, a warthog, all, all different types of things. And I think what it's doing wrong is basically making it so like, all right, for example, let me, let me give you an example. If I'm working on the battle rifle one, where it's just get 15 kills with the battle rifle, I unlock it mid-match. Uh, maybe maybe they just won't support mid-match switching of like challenges to work on more, but uh, you know that's fine. Maybe whatever. Um, but maybe have some type of like notification or sign or something pop up that says, "Hey, you completed this challenge." Uh, you know, let's move on to the next one or here's another challenge or make it to where you press start and it shows it like the fact that you can't actively see what you're working on is kind of annoying. And, uh, I feel like ultimately it's made to make you work towards it, but also make you do specific things and not just blindly get XP like you do in call of duty. So it is a very different battle pass than what we've seen in other games, surprisingly. And weirdly enough, it, you know, they have halo master chief collection with a pretty significant battle pass with a lot of armor and a lot of great ideas in it and how that works is you unlock the ability to unlock things so like you have a battle pass you start at one or level zero or whatever your goal is to get to a higher level as you progress xp wise and level up you get these tokens you can use to unlock anything in from like level zero to wherever you are in the battle pass xp wise so you can uh, unlock those items if you wanted. Um, and you unlock more tokens as you get higher. And the higher level you get, the better items you get to choose from. So, um, And it seems like there's way more free reign. I know that one has a lot more content just from it spanning four games or five games now. So I, I get it. It's like slightly different. But at the same time, it's a sign of like a positive working battle pass. This one seemed like they were thinking too much like successful battle passes like Fortnite and uh you know kind of like Call of Duty but they were obviously trying to do something different I think the issue here is that they went the wrong way um we need to see progression if you don't see progression in something like yes we have a level but you don't even really see it as you're playing Halo and it's not a, the biggest deal to me but if that level's not doing anything then it's a it's a it's a little bit of an issue uh, it slowly becomes an issue. So one of the things is um, you're leveling up your level, but none of that goes towards your battle pass at all. So you pay $10 and you have a limited time to like knock out this stuff until the season one is over. So there's that. But on top of this, you have to worry about getting the challenges done. Um, and some of them are kind of ridiculous. Some of them is like get a kill with the heat wave. I suck with the heat wave. That's going to take a while. Uh, one's like destroy a warthog. And I'm like, I, when when would I be able to do that? Like, you have options, you have opportunities, of course, but I would have to like actively get a skewer or a rocket launcher or something, and then go look for people riding around in a vehicle. Like, it's a little bit more work than just naturally playing. And it kind of, while I agree, it's kind of good to like do different things in matches. I feel like you naturally run into these things anyways if you're just like a an average player. If you're by a rocket launcher, you're gonna pick it up. If you're by a sword, you're gonna pick it up. Uh, anything like that but when it comes to like things that you pick up off the walls that are just like standard weapons that you don't really think like all right i don't like the heat wave so if i see it on a wall i'm not going to pick it up but some of the challenges are like get kills with heat wave and i'm like 
I don't like using it. I get they want me to use it, but I don't really like that. My play style is like I'll pick up power weapons, I'll pick up a battle rifle and other things, but when it comes to certain things like that, I'm just like, I don't know, it's just a little bit much to me. So here's the good news though. They are actively talking about changing it. Let's get to the Halo community director on Twitter. His name's Brian Jared, or Gerard, sorry. Um, he had retweeted a post from another employee that's the community manager at 343 Industries as well. He is saying, uh, and I quote, to address the feedback on Battle Pass progression, we will be making targeted tunings to our model later this week. To start, we'll be adding play one game challenges to help make sure you consistently progress through the Battle Pass by playing matches the way you want. While this is a, it's a fix in a way to where it's not just like all the bullshit that's like, hey, Go fucking get a sword kill and do a backflip and hey Spider Man do a backflip you know shit like that like we don't you know whatever it's 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 at least better giving you something standard that is like gonna keep moving you forward which is which is good um, awesome 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 but um, overall this is like a pretty big issue like even even friends and family that were like playing with me and they were like noticing it was like the first thing you notice is like why am i not progressing in this battle pass it's kind of a bummer and i think even this might not be enough to kind of like salvage you know the issue that is going on unless play one game is a consistent thing where you're constantly doing it um but it sounds like they are going to be tuning it even more past this than just play one game which is great because that's like i think the one of the main issues of the game because outside of that halo launched surprise launched at a at a great state uh, servers are actually working with, you know, millions of players playing. And uh, they took that, like, day one server load, like, no nobody's business. It was so easy to just get on and play matches. And there was really no issues, at least for me, that I ran into that was uh, game-breaking or, you know, anything that stopped me. It was just let me kept, let me keep playing, which is awesome. Um, it is a bummer that I'm not unlocking things fast enough in the Battle Pass. Because even still, when you do the play one game thing, it doesn't give you enough XP because... You got to do X amount of challenges in the battle pass to like un unlock the next step of the battle pass. But overall, you know, even with its flaws, it's still going to become a better game in the long run. And maybe that's why they launched it in a beta form. It is a little weird that like during this beta form, it's, you can still pay for all these things. And it is a monetary thing that you are, are spending on. Like it's actually, you know, a real deal thing. Uh, so it being tuned after purchasing is a little, you know. It's getting into the weeds of like, oh, did you waste your money? Uh, is this, you know, are you not getting the value you want? Is this time frame going to be affected by the changes that they make over that time frame? Who knows? We will see. But that is, you know, that is the controversy. I've updated you guys on the Halo, the one Halo controversy. Because it seems like every game has controversy now. If you have not seen the GTA trilogy review I did, go check it out. You'll see everything about controversy. Now... The Game Awards. When is this happening? Let me see real quick. The Game Awards announced all of their nominees for the big old Game Awards event happening in December. Um, it's happening December 9th. Um, and of course, this is one of the biggest gaming events out there. Uh, definitely one of the biggest of the year outside of E3. So I'm very much looking forward to this event. And with the nominees, you know, it gets, it gets us to kind of get in our fan bag of like... What did we think of the games we played this year? 
obviously, I didn't play every single game out there, so there are some categories and some topics and some specific games that I just did not play. So if there is a game that I'm talking about that I don't pick for my choice, don't be offended. I might not have played. I'll specify what I've played and what I haven't. Um, and there are games still on this list that I'm, I'm going to check out still. Uh, but I definitely know that like the certain things I have played have been a louder presence, you know, out there. So we will see, but let's get right into it. Um, basically it's split up into 30 different categories. They are ranging from esports to games to, all, you know, uh, influencers and all kinds of things. Uh, and yeah, we're just going to cover each topic. I'm going to pick my vote. We're going to do voting right now. And don't think that this is like my solidified choices. We are going to do a separate podcast episode for the X button podcasts. Podcasts is weird. Game of the year. Uh, I might even toss in some other, other topics in there just to kind of like mix it up, make it a little fresh and not just be game of the year because I know game of the year is subjective and it's not really like a, a thing that is, you know, solidified. It's just some, it's just your opinion, which all these are your opinion technically, but I think game of the year is like a bigger deal. Obviously, if you get something game of the year, then it holds a higher standard than other games. And then of course you get a lot of people coming out and be like, I like this other game more and you know, whatever. Cause I've disagreed personally with previous game of the year winners. Um, some of them I've agreed with, but it is just, it's, uh, it's all up to opinions. So don't get offended if I don't pick your game either for the X button podcast or this one. Uh, but this one's just all in good fun. I just kind of want to put in some votes to support the cause and kind of give you guys some fun little, little, uh, sports talk of the, of the game awards. So let's go through the categories one by one and see what we pick. I will say, like I said before, some of these will not, I will be guessing on because there are some categories like the first one, best esports event, that I just personally did not keep up with. If you kept up with esports, that's awesome. I'm glad you supported that, and I'm sure your votes will shine through way more than my little vote will. But I'm gonna pick one just because it is it is what it is. Uh, I'm gonna try to lean more like what is the most popular one if it's something I just do not know about. Um, so just just know that going into this <laughs> going into this whole thing. Uh, so the first category, best esports event. Recognizing an event across single or multiple days that delivered a best-of-class experience for participants and the broadcast audience. 2021 League of Legends World Championship, uh, the International 2021, PGL Major Stockholm 2021, PUBG Mobile Global Championship 2020, huh? and uh, Valorant Champions Tour Stage 2 Masters. That is some word salad right there, boy. Uh, I think for this one, I'm going to vote the prestigious 2021 League of Legends World Championship because League of Legends is so popular. I think I've seen it lose a couple years in a row, but uh, I figured there's a lot of money and a lot of backing behind League. And of course, with the the uptick of players from the show that recently released, I'm sure there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of love for that, even just for like the recency bias of there being a show. Uh, I'm sh- Valorant might win. I'm really, I'm really not 100 on this one, but I will vote League of Legends. Um, it is what it is. Uh, let's keep going though. Best esports coach. You have 
Oh, God. A- All right, I'm just going to say their nicknames because I have no idea how to pronounce some of these. Kakoma, Crowder, Bayad, uh Oh, my God. How do you even pronounce it? E-N-G-H? Ing? Ing. Uh, and Silent. I'm going to pick... Hmm. I'm going to pick Kakoma. K-K-O-M-A. K-K-O-M-A. Not sure why. Don't ask me. Uh, the next one is best esports team. Again, I don't follow esports very well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to pick FaZe just because they are the most popular, I believe. I'm sure they probably have other people that are probably more deserving. I just don't know. Best esports athlete. Uh, Tens, Simple, Collapse, Showmaker, and Simp. I'm going to go with Tens just because I think he's a bright young man. Uh, all right, here we go. Best esports game, Call of Duty. Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Jeez. How is that thing still getting nominated? How is that thing still happening? But I guess if it's esports, it's ever-living. It's just evergreen. It's going to keep going. Dota 2, another game that's kind of old, but it's still there. League of Legends and Valorant. I think in terms of esports, for some reason, every time I think esports, I think League of Legends. So I'm going to vote that again because I'm, I'm not too familiar with esports. It's just it, it is what it is. Uh, we'll just keep going. Okay, here we go. Now, this is, damn, this is a juicy one for it being so early. For it being so early in these nominees. So, all right. So, the next one is most. <clears throat> I'll do my, uh, I'll do my Neil deGrasse. Most anticipated game. Recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably, demonstrably, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Demonstrably? Dem- demonstri- demonstrably? Demonstrably? Okay. Recognizing an announced game that has demon- demonstri- <laughs> demonstrably uh, illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Uh, a landmark that has like potential to just like change the game entirely. Oh, so out of these games, we have only tried one of them out of these games. We have only really seen three of them. No, two of them. Uh, gameplay. We've only seen gameplay of two of them. No, well. No, yeah, we've seen three of them. Okay. Uh, so number one is Elden Ring. Ooh. God of War Ragnarok. Ooh. Horizon Forbidden West. Ooh. The sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's not even named yet. Starfield is the last choice. So, out of these five games, we have a lot of we have a lot of anticipation here. Uh, I personally have my own anticipations that I'm like super high up on, but this is talking about pushing the the gaming medium forward, uh, right? So, like, you got to think of the potentials here. God of War Ragnarok will it push the gaming medium forward? God of War One, the you know the PS4 one, is my personal favorite game of all time it is a masterpiece through and through the valkyries at the end were amazing the story was amazing the reveals the twists the turns the lineage still uh haunting him from his past in greece like it's it is awesome such a great game gameplay was fun story was great loved it voice acting was amazing uh graphics were phenomenal for a ps4 game um so god of war one is a is a you know, game that pushed the medium forward, in my opinion. Will the second one do that as well? Honestly, I personally don't think so. I think the second one is going to be 
possibly more of the same. I think it's going to be better, but I don't think it's going to do anything that revolutionary to where it's like pushing gaming forward as a whole. Um, I think the the only three that really have potential, and I don't want to downplay Breath of the Wild too much because I know there's a big fan base out there with it. I feel like the ones that would be the shining light out of this would potentially be Elden Ring, Forbidden West, or Starfield. Um, Starfield is something we don't know a lot about yet, but it is a space game uh, made by Bethesda Game Studios. So it is an Xbox exclusive. And it seems like this one has a lot of potential, but we just don't know yet of what it is. It could easily come out and be a space Skyrim, which would be okay if it, you know the graphics are up to date and the gameplay is up to date and whatever. It could be that. Or it could be a game that pushes the medium forward. And I think... Um, I think in terms of most most anticipated game, I think Elden Ring also stands a chance there because Elden Ring is not only revolutionizing the Souls gaming format, but bringing that Souls gameplay and you know story story aspect and just like uh, what do you call it world? I guess that's the best way to put it. World into the setting of an open world gameplay uh, melding those two together might create it's going to revolutionize at least the you know the souls like games going forward because already when i started playing that i was like this is not like any of the previous souls games obviously the gameplay is similar but like it's not the open world aspect and the horse and like just seeing bosses roaming around it is a different ball game uh, so something we know for sure would push it a little forward would be Elden Ring uh, and potentially Starfield. Horizon Forbidden West, I fear, will probably fall under the same thing that's going to happen to God of War and Breath of the Wild. Being a sequel, you kind of have to like change the game by st- but also stick into your roots. And I think while you're sticking in the roots of the original game, the, the prequel, you are kind of dealing with... Uh, known ties there. I think I think you can't really come out and revolutionize stuff with a sequel. Uh, I think it'll be a little tougher. I think you actually, I take it back, I think you can. I just think it's going to be a lot tougher than what Starfield and Elden Ring have going. Uh, and on that note, Starfield is a new aspect. It has the potential to be the most, uh, maybe I'm harping on the words too much because it, it's just the description of what the, the thing is. Realistically, I think Elden Ring is going to win this this award, but I think Starfield might have, according to this description, have the most potential to push the game medium forward. I think if that comes out successfully, I think if Bethesda does the the right thing and progress the whole entire series of uh, Elder Scrolls forward by making this space game, that's a new thing. Having the world be lively, have you have a planetary travel, you know, add interesting characters. Obviously, if you have that same Bethesda style um, gameplay where you're making decisions and choices and actually affects the game, it could it could revolutionize stuff. Uh, but as I started saying that, I remember that they have failed so many times in the past. I'm going with Elden Ring. At first, I was going to go with Starfield. I kind of did a, a 180 on, while describing that. Starfield still has a great chance. Don't get it twisted, but I think... I think Elden Ring is going to take that one. I'm sorry. I might have spent too long on that question, but I just think the description is important to what that specific award is. 
Um, next one, best debut indie, and this is where I I want to check out some of these games, and I apologize if I haven't. I've only played two of, two out of five of these games. Um, granted, they are the most popular ones, so that's a good sign, I guess. Uh, but I know with a lot of indies, a lot of the lesser known ones are still amazing, phenomenal. Some of them even game of the year contenders, personal to people. So uh, it's not just like a thing of like when you're picking a, the you know the best debut indie, it's not really going like this is the best debut indie because technically they are all five chosen for a reason. They all have a special place as their own indie game this year. It has been a uh, experience playing these games artistically, story-wise, um, you know, musically. They all have like certain tastes to them that are like these things are special. Um, but you know, with this award system, if they take into account, um, you know, popularity, Valheim would win. Valheim's a choice. But let me just go through the choices. The Artful Escape. I want to play that. I downloaded it on my Xbox recently. I will, I will, you know, go back on my word on this, on another episode of this podcast. If this game is amazing, because I hear it's, I hear it's amazing. Uh, Forgotten City is another one I want to try out. I just, I haven't, I haven't gotten around to it. There's a lot of games, you know, to play right now. But whenever this lull happens over the winter, I will play it. It's going to be too late for Game Awards, but it is what it is. Kena Bridge of Spirits is next. Sable and Valheim. Sable looked good from the preview I had saw of it. I believe it's like a journey-like game, if I remember correctly. I can't remember fully. Uh, Valheim kind of plays like Minecraft, I guess, but like you're, uh, it's like a little bit better artistically. You're kind of doing more with resources, and it's a multiplayer game, base building in a world and going to hunt monsters and stuff like that. And then you have Kena Bridge of Spirits, which I think is the most. <sighs> it's interesting. So the description for this is uh, for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. So. I think the the biggest thing I had experienced with the two most popular, which is Kina and Valheim, I think Valheim did a great job at separating itself from most games, but it still felt like it was a it was akin to a lot of the things we know already, like Ark Survival, like Minecraft. Uh, it had a lot of those like survival aspects from those games, which is fine. It, it's just very like core to that genre. Kina Bridge of Spirits is very much similar to that where it is it is a third person platformer story game but i think for their first game they came out looking like a triple a studio the polish was crazy the graphics were crazy voice acting were, was great the sound the music as you're walking around the exploration was phenomenal uh, i i single handedly choose kina for this one uh, I still need to try Sable Forgotten City and Artful Escape. And Artful Escape does look very interesting. But if we're going popularity-wise and what I had played, Kena Bridge Spirits gets my vote. Um, Ember Lab did a fucking amazing job. And this is their first game. Amazing. Amazing job for what they did. While these other games do look amazing, I think the scope of Kena looks way wider in comparison to all of these games. So I'm voting Kena. I think it's more important in terms of the, ev- well, no, I don't even want to say that. Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to like insult the other people. Content creator of the year. I don't know any of these people. Oh boy. Dream. Didn't he have some controversy happen? 
dream uh, for a streamer content creator who has made an important and positive impact on the community in 2021. Dream, Fusli, uh, Gale, Gales, Ebi, and Grefk. Uh, I'm voting Grefk because it's Greg with an F. Why not? Uh, sorry, I just don't know much about it. Best multiplayer: Back for Blood, Knockout City, It Takes Two, Monster Hunter Rise, New World, and Valheim. So, out of these games, I tried Back for Blood. Did not like it at all. I played the beta. was terrible. Played the full game. It was polished, but it was a polished turd still, in my opinion. Uh, no offense to Turtle Rock, but, you know, I just wasn't vibing with it. Knockout City is phenomenal. Uh, great game. Great great gameplay. It gives you that competitive feel of, like, a Rocket League or something. It's, it's very fun. It takes two. We'll get to that. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is pretty good, but it's classic Monster Hunter. Nothing really new there. New World, I did not play. Valheim, of course, multiplayer-wise, you're doing the same thing you do kind of in Minecraft or Ark Survival. So this one, in my opinion, in my honest opinion, it goes to It Takes Two for the main reason that that game was made. Specifically made. You can't even play it single-player. It is made to be multiplayer. It is, It's at its core, a multiplayer co-op you know, experience where you are meant to be always seeing your partner. You're working together at all times. Uh, it is, um, well, here, well, let's read the description. For outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, uh, irrespective of game genre or platform. So It Takes Two is the second step from, you know, Haze Light's last game, which was A Way Out, uh, which was very similar, but this one polished it to a T. It had the gameplay there. It had the mini games there. It had the funny moments. It had the secrets. It had the references to a way out back in the day. Like it had it had a bunch of stuff going on in it. So like that being a, it was a special experience. It was a ride you were going through, and the story was actually pretty interesting. I don't think it was the best, but I think what it did multiplayer wise, definitely gets my vote. It takes two, baby. Um. Best sports and racing game, uh, F1 2021, FIFA 22, Forza Horizon 5, Hot Wheels Unleashed, Riders Republic. Out of these games, I've played Forza and Riders. Hot Wheels looks amazing. I know it got great reviews. FIFA is a FIFA game, and F1 is an F1 game. I think that Riders Republic is an amazing choice, but I'm going to go with Forza Horizon 5. Riders Republic was great. It had some bugs. It was a little wonky. Um, it did get repetitive after a while, but Forza Horizon has kept me just like wanting to come home and play it. So I give it to Forza on that one. Uh, it is such a great racing game. Uh, just the scope of that game, the graphics, how it fucking purrs on an Xbox Series X. It is a beautiful uh, masterpiece accomplishment that they've been able to do. And I'm glad it's finally getting praise, to be honest. Um, so next up. Best Sim or Strategy, Age of Empires 4, Evil Genius 2, World Domination, uh, Humankind, Inscription, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I think the only one I've played out of these is Microsoft Flight Simulator. I know a lot of people like Age of Empires, but Flight Sim, it's beautiful. You can literally fly over your house. Gets my vote. I mean, it is, to a T, the best way to fly a plane outside of flying an actual plane. So there's that. Best Family, It Takes Two. Mario Party Superstars, New Pokemon Snap, Super Mario 3D World slash Bowser's Fury, 
WarioWare to get it together. And as much as I want it to be WarioWare, <laughs> it is definitely not. Uh, as much as I want it to be Mario Party Superstars, it definitely is not. Uh, new Pokemon Snap, it definitely 100% is not. And Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, while it is a fun multiplayer game, it can get kind of fucky. You can kind of fuck over your teammates. Uh, the online doesn't really work well at all. And it's like, it is a great, amazing Mario game. I just think it's not the best family game. I think the best family game, hmm. I think out of these, it would be It Takes Two. You have a special bonding experience with one of your family or whatever. And it's like, it's it's literally the story revolves around a family trying to stay together. So it's... It, I think it gets my vote. It takes two again, baby. Best fighting game, Demon Slayer, Kametsu, no, Yo, no Yaiba, The Hinokami Chronicles, Guilty Gear Strive, Melty Blood Type Lumina, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl, Virtua Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown. Now, out of these, I played Virtua Fighter and Guilty Gear Strive. I absolutely love Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear was awesome. Uh, I did not play Nickelodeon, but I heard it had some bugs. I don't even know what Melty Blood is. Virtual Fighter was okay. And Demon Slayer actually is apparently amazing. I I've watched a little bit of the show, but for that reason, I haven't finished the show. I know some of these games get spoilery, so I didn't want to spoil it for myself and get this, but I hear this game is actually underrated and a very well-made fighting game. So I will be checking it out when it does go on sale or like whenever I finish the season. Um, I'll be on there, but... For now, my vote goes to Guilty Gear Strive. It's just the one I spent the most time with. And I think what they did for the Guilty Gear series and making a solid PS5 game that like runs really well and is like it just has that same heavy rock music and the the art is beautiful. Like they they did everything right in that game. Best role playing game, Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise, Scarlet Nexus, Shin Megami Tensei 5, Tales of Arise. Oh, this is a tough one because <laughs> this is a tough one because out of these three or out of these five, I played two and well, I technically played three. I played the demo for Tales of Arise. I didn't really vibe with it, but I know that got amazing reviews too. Shin Megami Tensei got tens and I, I believe and uh, Monster Hunter Rise is, I wouldn't really consider a multiplayer game or a, a role playing game. I think like something more role player esque is like cyberpunk, but obviously cyberpunk's hard to vote for. Because of its bugs. Um, and I think even then, the overall role-playing game aspect of that game isn't really well done. I got the Platinum on it. I should know. Just as a, as a context of like how I know this. I played the entire game to a T. I completed everything in that game. So, even through the bugs. I just know that overall, that did really not a lot for what, you know, open-world RPGs are. I think Witcher does a better job. And if that was nominated, I'd probably vote for that. But Cyberpunk is not it. Monster Hunter Rise, in my opinion, not it. Scarlet Nexus, hmm. It's the only other, only other one I mainly played. Tales of Rise, I played the beta, but or the demo, whatever. But Scarlet Nexus, I'll be honest. I'm going to do a blind vote here. I'm a huge fan of Shin Megami Tensei. I'm dying to play this new one. I just haven't gotten it yet. And it got great reviews. I'm voting for Shin Megami. I want it to win. I want it to. I want it to prosper. I love the Shimigami series, so I'll be picking that up eventually too. I know it's bad to blindly vote, but come on, the 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 best ones will shine through. I don't think my vote's gonna like break a tie or anything. These typically are like very one sided when it comes to who wins. Best action adventure: Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, 
Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village. My personal opinion, I've played all of these. No, I played four out of five. I did not play Guardians of the Galaxy. I hear it got great reviews. I didn't get perfect reviews, though. Um, and I, honestly, I don't think any of these did. But, you know, Psychonauts was okay when I played it. I, I think it was a, a very standard game. I don't think it really revolutionized anything. Uh, it was nice to see that it came back after all these years with like a, their fan base getting excited for it, but I don't think it—I don't think it really deserves it. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was amazing. I'm glad they actually came back. This one was like the gameplay they made, the new characters they made, the graphics. It was like a PS5 showcase. Um, where the fuck is Returnals at all in any of these nominations? But you know, I'll you know I'll leave that to the side, whatever. But that game's amazing. Resident Evil Village, amazing. I absolutely loved Resident Resident Evil Village. Um, but again, like it, it depends on, let's, let's see what this says for the best action adventure game, combining combat with traversal and pu- puzzle solving. So out of these, I believe Psychonauts might've had some puzzle solving. Ratchet and Clank has puzzle, puzzle solving. Uh, Metro Dread has it all, to be honest. I have, like I said, maybe Guardians deserves this, but I think Metro Dread is an amazing work by Mercury Steam. And I think that... Uh, it does it well. It does every. It does all three of those things very well: combat, traversal, and puzzle solving. So it's kind of hard to argue against that, for in my opinion. So I will choose Metroid Dread for this best action adventure. The next is best action game: Back for Blood, Chivalry Two, Death Loop, Far Cry Six, and Returnal. There's Returnal finally. Uh, here's the issue I'm having now. Death Loop is cool. I don't think it deserved the scores it's got, it got because it, it got like really well reviewed. I think the game is good, but I don't think it's like, again, that revolutionary. I think it kind of sticks too close to Dishonored's pocket, but uh, Back for Blood is definitely not it. Far Cry 6 is definitely not it. Returnal and Chivalry 2, though. Uh, for the best game in the action genre, focus primarily on combat. I want to give it to Returnal, but honestly, I'm going to give it to Chivalry 2. Chivalry 2 is literally all combat. It is focused primarily on combat as per this description, and it is 100% a blast. They do many different ways to to do the combat with arrows, um, crossbows, many different swords, throwing. You can throw body parts at people. You can throw uh, chairs at people, bread. You can like you can kill anybody with anything, and it's it's just all like physics based. Hell, like just crazy, crazy fun. So, in terms of best action game. As much as I want to give it to Returnal for what it did, I think that is more of a... I think it's not really primarily focused on action, or like on combat, rather, per this description. I think it's mainly about exploration, um, kind of retracking your steps, and focusing on navigating the level versus combat. I know combat is a main thing. You are shooting a lot in that game, and it, there is a lot of combat. But when it comes to pure combat of just primarily focused... I don't think it's primarily focused. I think Chivalry 2 is primarily focused on combat, and they deserve that award. But it being called Best Action Game, I would not be mad if Deathloop or Returnal got it. It is what it is at this point. Okay, uh, I'm going to try to speed it up a little bit. Best AR slash VR. For the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality, irrespective of platform, Hitman 3, I Expect You to Die, Lone Echo, Resident Evil 4, Sniper Elite VR. I'm not even going to waste your time. Resident Evil 4 is going to win this. I didn't even play it, but I hear it made a lot of improvements by being a VR version. So, uh, and, and to be honest, it wouldn't be that difficult to make it 
a better version than what it is. I mean, the old versions like tank controls and stuff. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Far Cry 6. Oh, sorry. Innovation in accessibility. Recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. I don't think this is my place to vote, but I will drop a vote on this. <laughs> um, I don't think I utilize you know, any of the accessibility features. Um, luck, lucky for me, I know some people will need to use it. But I think if my memory serves me correct, Ratchet and Clank Ripped Apart used very similar tech that The Last of Us 2 used. And I think that was very extensive in terms of what you can and can't do. So I'm going to vote for Ratchet and Clank for that. Go ahead and pop that bad boy on there. Best community support. Uh, recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity, and game updates and patches. Uh, number one, Apex Legends. Number two, Destiny 2. Number three, Final Fantasy XIV Online. Fortnite and No Man's Sky. I think I have not... I've played all these games. I have not kept up with any of them lately because they're mostly older. Um, and that's kind of the point of this award. It's kind of just like, how's this community going? I keep hearing, though, ever since the recent update and everything, Final Fantasy XIV, which I have played in the past, um, which I've played all these in the past, but that one I've played, you know, I've made it to max level. I've made it pretty far in that game. I know that their community is actually very, very well. Uh, they definitely listen and they definitely support. And all their recent... Um, I mean, if you just look at the big turnaround they had from when the game first launched and it was shit and then it became one of the best MMOs out there, crazy. Like, I know that's old, but like still, they obviously listen to fans and the community listens back. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I am I think they might deserve, deserve it here. Um, although, I know Apex Legends is also very popular and does get a lot of support as well as Destiny 2. And of course, Fortnite, you know, Fortnite is what it is. But I think once you have that polished, which it mostly is, I think the dev team does a great job there. I think in terms of like call and response, like, hey, we have an issue or hey, we have we want things, we want this, we want that. Final Fantasy has listened. So I'm gonna vote for that. Next up is best mobile game, Fantasian, uh Genshin Impact, League of Legends, Marvel Future Revolution, and Pokemon Unite. Pokemon Unite was cool. Um, I played that. It was kind of like a uh, RTS, I think it was called, or like a League of Legends type game. forgot what it's called. Sorry. Um, I'm voting Genshin Impact, though, because I know that game is still popular. Uh, and I did play it, and it feels actually like... I kind of got that Fortnite vibe when I first started playing it, where it was like a, feels like a full game when it's like, you know... Anyways. Um, Best indie for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. 12 minutes. Fucking amazing game. Death Door. Amazing game. Inscription. I want to play it. It's a card game, though. Uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits and Loop Hero. So, for best creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. So, I think I'm voting for 12 minutes. The art style. The camera angle. The the setting, the choices of your decision actually affecting the story, um, multiple different outcomes of it being in a loop. It was like a very unique, different game than all these other ones. I like I said, <clears throat> like I said, Inscription might be a, a different case, and Loop Hero might be as well. I know Loop Hero is very popular, <clears throat> but I think in terms of like traditional, 
traditional effects that it's doing. I think 12 minutes actually does a lot for the very little it does just by existing. So I'm voting for 12 minutes. Then we got best ongoing Apex Legends, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, Call of Duty Warzone. Call of Duty has a big update coming, but I think Fortnite will always win this award. They might as well get rid of this award. It's always going to be Fortnite. When will it ever not be Fortnite? Games for Impact. Uh, for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Before your eyes, Boyfriend Dungeon, Chicory, Life is Strange, No Longer Home. I think the... <clears throat> has not playing any of these games so far. <sighs> I think Chicory is going to win because it is the loudest out of these. And I know this is like not the best way to look at it. All these games might be amazing. I really want to play Life is Strange. I definitely want to check out No Longer Home, but I think Chicory is the one that made the most noise for being a uh, kind of like a a random indie that kind of dropped and was like a unique style for what it was going for. Uh, I think the description for this award might pertain to something else better, uh, but like I said, I haven't really played many of these or any of these, so I'm just going to blindly vote Chicory. Hopefully that will be... Okay, best performance. Uh, let's see. Erica Mori as Alex Chen in Life is Strange. Giancarlo Esposito as Anton Castillo in Far Cry 6. Jason Kelly as Colt Vaughn in Deathloop. Maggie Robertson as Lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil Village. And Ozio Ozioma. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm very sorry. Ozima Akaga as Juliana Blake in Deathloop. Uh, I think out of all these, as much as I love Lady Dimitrescu, she was amazing. Well, fuck, I, I really don't know. I'm stuck between Jason Kelly as Colt Vaughn from Deathloop, the the main character, or Lady Dimitrescu. I think in terms of let's let's read the description and apply it. Awarded to an individual for voice acting, motion, and or performance capture. The voice acting of Colt Vaughn was amazing, and so was Lady Dimitrescu. Fuck, I don't really know. I think the most iconic, popularity-wise, the most widely spread, accepted, um, fan-based version of like what this award is going to go to, I think I'm going to lean Lady Dimitrescu. Her performance was amazing, and she was daunting in the game. And, of course, she was memed out the wazoo and Rule 34 out the wazoo. And it's just it, it's become... Uh, you know, a way bigger deal to a lot more people than all these other characters. I will say Giancarlo Esposito as Anton Castillo. You can't go wrong with that. And I'm sure Erica Mori is actually very great as Life is Strange. Uh, Alex Chin in Life is Strange True Colors. So I just, I really want to play that game. I just haven't had a chance to get it. But Lady Dimitres might win that one. Best audio design, Deathloop, uh, Forza Horizon 5, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village, and Returnal. Uh, I gotta lean. My, I want to go Returnal, man. Fuck. Yeah, actually, yeah. Returnal's audio was fucking phenomenal. I'm going Returnal on this one. As much as I want to give it to Forza Horizon Five for their engine noises, I think Returnal, its ambient noise is like, it makes you feel like you're on this this weird planet. So, I'm giving it to that. Best score in music: The Artful Escape, Cyberpunk 2077, <clears throat> Deathloop. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and Near Replicant. Uh, Near Replicant for me, I think that music, you can't go wrong with Near's music ever. Near's music, uh, new or old, no matter how old this game is, it still fucking hits, man. That music is beautiful. 
Best Art Direction, The Artful Escape, Death Loop, Kena Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and Clank Ripped Apart. I personally love I, I love Psychonauts 2 Art Direction. I will say that. And I know Artful Escape is I'm gonna vote Artful Escape. I haven't even played it, but I, I've seen gameplay and I think that one looks very, very unique. As much as I want to give it to Ratchet and Clank, I think that one's probably gonna win. Uh, and again, these aren't the X button podcast is choice. I guess it's more just like a popularity thing or things I think may work or I guess it's kind of things I want. I don't know. Best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. There is death loop. It takes two life is strange guardians of the galaxy and psychonauts Two. best narrative. Mm. Life is strange is all narrative. Uh, I will say that death loops narrative didn't really capture me. It Takes Two narrative is amazing, but I don't think it's really known for its narrative abilities. I think it's more just the multiplayer co-op abilities. So I'm going to go Life is Strange, and hopefully that gets the dub. Um, there are two more. Best Game Direction, Deathloop, It Takes Two, Returnal, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and & Clank, Rift Apart. Best Game Direction. Awarded for Outstanding Creative Vision and Innovation in Game Direction and Design. Um... Uh, Damn. So the two that really stand out are Returnal and It Takes Two for best game direction. I think Returnal, again, is designed in a way to make it unique from other, uh, I guess it's called roguelites, but it is also very much its own beast. So in terms of gameplay and just direction, uh, but It Takes Two, obviously, it's an outstanding creative vision and innovation. I will say it innovates in the in the term of a fun co-op experience. Um, fuck, I don't know. I think I will give it to It Takes Two. It just it leans it leans more. If you played It Takes Two, you know the vibes. It's definitely a a big hitter. So this is the biggest one, the game of the year. What do I think is gonna win here? Not what I want, but what is what is something I think is gonna win here? Death Loop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts Two, Ratchet and Clank Ripped Apart. Resident Evil 8. Out of these two, or out of these five, sorry, I think the ones that stand out, Deathloop has a chance because it reviewed very well, but I think the recency bias uh, was kind of fueling those scores. I think most people who look back on that game won't really remember it for being a revolutionary game overall. As much as I did like it, I think it's not going to stand out for that. I think what will stand out is something that is truly unique. Uh, honestly, I think it could potentially be It Takes Two. I'm, I might be leaning It Takes Two because Metroid Dread was amazing, but it had it didn't have controversy, but there's a lot of people that weren't happy with the direction it went. There's a lot of people who were complaining about certain things, about how you couldn't even progress in certain levels unless you shoot a, shoot a wall, which I had no issue with at all. I did it fully. I beat the game, and I thought it was one of the best games of the year, uh, potentially the X Button Podcast game of the year. But for this, I think it will either be Deathloop, It Takes Two, or Ratchet and Clank, just from popularity. So with that, I let's just say it's going to be It Takes Two. I think it's going to be one of those years where it kind of like pulls out of nowhere and, and gets the dub. Because when, when you look at when you look back at these games, you think about like Ratchet and Clank was amazing, Deathloop was amazing, Metro, like all these games are amazing. 
Psychonauts, Resident Evil 8, they're all amazing. But it takes two. Every time you look at it, every time you bring it up, you remember like that game was so well done. Like holy shit. Like it was it was it's it's so great. Uh maybe I'm putting it on too much of a pedestal too though. So maybe I'll have to lean Deathloop. Or maybe I'm gonna do Ratchet and Clank for this sake. Maybe Ratchet and Clank will win. Uh I honestly don't mind if any of these win. I feel like it's a great year for gaming. So all these are, are definitely worth winning. Uh, I will say Returnal is also worth winning. So I'm surprised it's not seven games chosen. But it is what it is. I'm going to vote Ratchet and Clank and that's that. Um, but we, we will be back on this podcast. No worry. Um, I, with our own game of the year thing. I kind of wanted to get out of a little bit further into December to kind of do ours. Because I know that. And this thing is time sensitive. It takes a while for them to put this together on the podcast. We can do it whenever we want, but I want it to be a little closer to the end of the actual year because there are things coming out still like Halo's campaign. There is Pokemon this Friday. There's all, you know, a bunch of different things coming out. So I think once we get to that point and we get these like next couple games under our belts, it'll be a lot better to talk about, okay, over this past year, it was definitively this or definitively that. And uh, we will definitely be able to talk more whenever that happens. So I appreciate you guys listening. I I'm, I can't wait for the Game Awards. Remember, it's on the uh, on December 9th. So look out for that whenever it does come out. And let's just celebrate gaming when it does. And if you had any uh, if you had any different choices, go on their website. They have you know open voting for anybody. So just make an account on there. It's thegameawards.com, and you can vote for whatever you like. So if you disagree, just go on there and vote. Uh, and I will see you guys next time. I appreciate you guys listening and, uh, see you tomorrow.